Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet. And how y'all doing today? I am your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting live from New Orleans. How's the rental world today? Y'all got any training going on? Uh, New customers to impress with your service? Every day is so different in this industry. A big thank you to all our listeners, to your friends and associates, as our audience is growing. I hope you enjoyed last week's show about analyzing your competition. It can be a bit of work, but worth it to see where you fit into your marketplace. And remember, I can help with buying and selling rental companies, as well as insurance needs with my buddy Gates Gozer with ARA Insurance and also equipment financing. And you can always listen on demand after the show. And please let me know if there's a certain guest or subject you'd like to have on the show, as we are today, and I'll do my best to get them. I can be reached at rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. You can even call me or text me at 504-615-0540. And as this is a talk show, if you really feel like it, you can call me today at one 472 and be live on the show. So, like the last two weeks, uh, this week I had an email that uh, asked about stuff she reads about being disruptive. And I love it when I get these key words that I can uh, investigate and hopefully bring some value back to you guys. So, Angela, this one's for you. Uh, I want to, there's several topics I want to cover today, but I want to start off by talking about something called disruptive jujitsu, uh, the foresight and courage to disrupt the disruptors. And for the sake of conversation, when I refer to the term managers or manager today, I'm talking to owners, CEOs, department managers, be it sales, service, or parts, or anyone else in a decision-making position. Disruptive jujitsu is learning from the competition than deliberately disrupting one's own business model to stay ahead of it. Can enable, this can enable department managers or owners to go on the offensive in the face of disruptive marketplace threats. And I believe this happens any and every time a new competitor or product hits your market, especially in this continued era of consolidation in our industry. In choosing to go on the offensive, seize new competitors' forward momentum, and turn that momentum against them, I'm betting many executives are practicing an approach that is called disruptive jujitsu. It's one of the five attributes of the undisruptible CEO. So turning confrontation to one's advantage. True to its martial arts namesake, disruptive jujitsu is at heart an aggressive art and discipline. It refers to a strategy in which managers scan external markets for evidence of new and unusual patterns of disruption and then deconstruct those disruptive business models to consider how their components could be aligned with their own business and operating models. Managers who wish to do this need the foresight to recognize an opposing force, 
the courage to harness its energy and the will to forcefully redirect it. In doing so, they can exploit the adversary's own innovation to disrupt the disruptor. It is worth emphasizing that disruptive jujitsu is, at heart, an offensive maneuver, not a defensive technique. As well, it is decidedly not a replacement for traditional and incremental defensive responses to a market threat, such as hiring more salespeople, increasing marketing spending, reducing costs, and making operations leaner. Rather, it is a necessary conjunct to such tactics, given the existential realities of both defense and offense in reaction to a business-killing innovation. Why is disruptive jiu-jitsu such an important technique for managers to learn? Because today, incumbent organizations are facing disruptive threats more often than ever before. Rapid technological innovations in increasingly ecosystematic markets are raising the risk of disruption across all industry sectors. Technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, analytics, robotic process automation, and social media present new ways to reach customers with products and services that promise to cost less by offering a tailored, convenient, and frictionless customer experience. That's what it's all about in this industry. In short, today's marketplace is rife with opportunities for competitors to build new business models that take advantage of technology or even simply a confluence of technological, social, and economic trends to disrupt established companies and even whole industries. So does that bring on the clash of the titans? When a competitor launches an attack, a manager's first instinct may be to build or fortify a wall around his business, pursuing a series of defensive moves to protect the company. But in the face of genuine disruption, this approach is doomed to failure. No wall is strong enough to withstand the impact of a truly disruptive business model that, by definition, is what makes it truly disruptive. And in an environment teeming with potential disruptions, sheer heft is no longer a reliable defense in and of itself. Indeed, size can be a liability. It's the bigger, less agile legacy companies that often prove weaker and more vulnerable. You know, that's the lesson that was learned by many retailers that initially dismissed the strategy of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. In 1999, Wired Magazine profile titled The Inner Bezos, published when Amazon still primarily sold books. They asked Bezos 
what retail would look like in 2020. By the way, that's next year. He predicted that people would order the majority of store-bought goods online, including food staples, paper products, and cleaning supplies. The only way retail stores would survive, he said, was by providing entertainment and convenience. Very few retailers gave his projections much weight, and understandably so. At that time, e-commerce sales accounted for only 0.64% of the United States' total retail sales compared to more than 10% today, and I have to say it's probably even higher today. As it turns out, Bezos was mostly right, which is why some consumers scratched their heads in puzzlement when Amazon decided to open a physical bookstore in Seattle back in 2015, after 20 years as an exclusively online center. But viewed through the lens of disruptive jujitsu, Amazon's move, first deconstructing the brick-and-mortar shopping experience, and then reconstructing it along the lines of an expanded vision that merges online convenience with physical interaction and entertainment, shows how fluid the competitive realities of today's environment have become. 18 bookstores and more than 490 Whole food stores later, Amazon today is officially a physical retailer with clear aspirations to break new ground in analyzing and influencing how customers shop and plenty of physical spaces within which to experiment with new retail innovations such as Amazon Go, a technology that allows people to shop at a cashier-less store that automatically charges customers for the items they take with them. In turn, traditional brick-and-mortar retailers have adapted to the new competitive reality Bezos predicted by making their own moves to deconstruct certain elements of e-commerce and integrate them into their own business models. In Los Angeles, for example, the department store Nordstrom has recently introduced Nordstrom Local. This is a tiny store with no inventory, although a few high-end garments and shoes are displaced. On hand instead are personal stylists who offer fashion tips, free on-site tailoring, and wines and manicures for purchase. The goal is to provide a unique customer experience that entices customers to buy merchandise on Nordstrom.com, which provides the same-day service delivery. At other select Nordstrom locations, customers can return items by simply dropping them into a box and walking out. Can you picture a mini rental location in a strip mall just to entice customers to come and rent? Or maybe there's a central warehouse that drops off the upcoming orders that were placed online to the mini store and then they pick them up upon return 
You know, you just never know how something like this might be a force in the future. Figure a one-man store in a thousand-square-foot strip mall with the basics of the uh, do-it-yourself market, uh, hounding them for the weekend warriors and even the daily walk-in way out. May not have everything like a skid steer loader or any kind of heavy equipment, but it can take orders if somebody walks in and says, I need a trencher for the weekend or I need a mini excavator for next week. And so it becomes an order-taking center, just like Nordstrom did. And I know a lot of this is going on in the online market with many companies. Uh, I don't know many companies now that don't have a facility or a method of placing orders online. But this certainly is a concept that other major retailers are embracing uh, to no end. And so with that, let's take a quick break. And we're going to come back and we're continuing to talk today about destructive jujitsu. That call in number today is 1 866 472 5790. Back to you, Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit GenieLift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we are back today, and uh, based on an email that was sent in, we are discussing the subject of disruptive jujitsu. And our call-in number today is 1-866-472-5790. Would love to hear from you. We were just talking about a, a large retailer with Nordstrom and some of the new innovative things that they have implemented. Uh, but are there such strategies unique to, to high-end retailers? You know, companies like Target and Best Buy have been busy linking select e-commerce capabilities to the potential advantages conferred by their physical stores. Rather than fight showrooming, when customers visit a store to examine a product in person before buying it from an online competitor, Best Buy CEO Hubert Jolly decided to take advantage of it by instituting a price match policy and also offering companies such as Apple, Samsung, Amazon, and Google the opportunity to pay for branded floor space to showcase their products. In the process, he augmented Best Buy's own business model and, in fact, found a way to attract more would-be showroomers and offer them the instant gratification of an informed in-store purchase. Now, replace some of those names with rental companies' names. Have you seen changes? You bet. Will manufacturers have to pay for space on your showroom floor? What a crazy thought. What about yard space? You never know what's going to come up and who's going to start it. With They hate me for that, I'm sure. With brick and mortar and online retailers continually using disruptive jujitsu against each other in an ongoing battle for supremacy, customers can likely expect to see a steady stream of such interesting innovations in the retail customer experience. You all remember the book, The Art of War, which I'm betting many of you have read. One of Sun Tzu's most famous lines from his Art of War is, and I quote, it is said that he who knows his opponent and knows himself will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. So to practice disruptive jiu-jitsu successfully, managers should know their opponents by actively looking for little-known market concepts, particularly those with apparent destructive potential. Leaders can reduce the element of surprise and prepare to meet the competitive threat with an equally novel approach or response. Managers should therefore commit their organizations to scanning the environment, identifying unusual or interesting patterns of new value creation, and being ruthlessly curious about the underlying sources of that new value. Is there anything to be learned from these ideas? Can they be seized, internalized, and made better? Can potential disruptive scenarios be played out to their logical conclusion 
If X, then ultimately Y. All these questions can help managers recognize nascent disruptions and devise strategies for turning them to their own advantage. Equally important, managers practicing disruptive jujitsu need, and hang on to this, the emotional fortitude to confront the impermanence of their organization's current business model and a beginner's mindset to help them find ways, if needed, to adjust their organization's business model to create untapped value. In effect, the aim is to self-destruct before being disrupted by someone else. Though the process can be painful, the alternative can be worse. As a recent Forbes article on self-destructing speculated, imagine if the taxi industry had taken a moment to self-reflect on how it could improve its offering to consumers before Uber came in and made it nearly irrelevant. And I'm sure that in any department, that any department leader in a rental company can come up with different ways to disrupt the market. Could be a service call guarantee or even a product continual use guarantee. If it breaks, we'll replace it or repair it within an hour. Just make sure that you can do it. There's an air conditioning guy here in New Orleans that has a booming business. He advertises, we'll make you cool within three hours and we guarantee it. Those are the kind of things that your department heads should be thinking about to do better than the competition. And that's called disrupting the market. So now if you're leading with disruptive jujitsu, for managers accustomed to relying on defensive tactics to counter emerging market threats, disruptive jujitsu and the adjustments it can require to a company's leadership dynamics may be disconcerting. It relies on a confident, gutsy, and forward-leaning attitude, as well as creative pattern recognition, improvisation, and a frame of mind in which the manager is always prepared to make a considered choice about where to place the organization's energy. On an organizational level, Deliberately disrupting one's own business model for the sake of an often uncertain future is never comfortable. Managers may therefore need to push hard to turn the business, or at least part of the business, in the right direction, especially if they catch wind of a disruption so early that no concrete competitive threat has yet materialized. In the intense competition between uh, two gentlemen, Barry Diller and Sumner Redstone, to acquire Paramount Pictures in the mid-1990s, for for, for instance, Diller reportedly expressed to the studio's board of directors his interest in leveraging the then-new internet to distribute film and television content in the future. He even brought a computer into the boardroom to demonstrate what the internet was and would become. 
rather than fear the innovation, he was willing to embrace it, envisioning being able to use the Internet as a content distribution platform while preserving royalties. However, at that time, the board supported Redstone's more traditional approach and plans. Ultimately, film studios were profoundly impacted by the distribution from online streaming platforms that continues today. Most critically, the successful practice of disruptive jujitsu requires a manager to relinquish the illusion of the organization's competitive strength and instead examine and embrace its vulnerabilities. To win in today's cutthroat market environment, in which innovations burst forth at remarkable speed, managers should be ready to accept their own organization's impermanence in order to decisively engage a new competitor. Only then will they have the foresight to recognize the patterns of potential disruption. Imagine how those forces would play out and then turn them through disruptive jujitsu to their own organization's advantage. So, I'm not trying to tell you that you need, I'll call it a black belt in rental, but I am saying that constant change will happen. And you can either be the leader or the follower. But at some point, the model that you've been following, depending on your business being 1, 3, 5, 10, 15, 25, or 40 years old, is going to come across some change. And again, you can be the leader or you can be the follower, but you need to be on the lookout for all the other things that are taking place within the marketplace and seeing what new innovations and technologies are out there so that you can be maybe first to market instead of last to market after waiting for somebody else to test and see what works best for everybody. So disruptive jujitsu is, I guess, in, in a few words, is having the ability to look at your business plan and disrupt your business plan to make it better than the other guys. And that's a tough thing to think when you've been running a business for a long time, uh, to think that we got the perfect deal going and then somebody comes in with a new idea or a new product. You know, are you uh, first went to market with something new that, that comes to the market? Uh, did a show about the glazing uh, equipment uh, some, some time ago. And uh, I just see that market building and building. And so uh, are you the first one in the market to offer something like this for rental? Uh, not to mention all the solar-powered equipment that we have coming out now. Um, I mentioned many, many months ago about light towers and how they've changed. And, <laughs> you know, they're getting smaller, they're getting more compact, they're getting more efficient. There's a lot of things that are happening. So just think about uh, this disruptive jujitsu and take the lead and disrupt your own business, turn it inside out, take a good hard look, see what needs changing, 
And hopefully, at the end of the day, it's all for a better customer experience. So when you, we come back in just a moment, uh, we're going to talk about some dumb rules that are frustrating your best people. Uh, back to you, Voice America. I'll see you in a minute. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions, too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit GenieLift.com. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Rental Equipped Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to RentalEquippedTalkRadio at gmail.com. That's RentalEquippedTalkRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we are back. In uh, the first half of the show, we talked about, uh, I guess, a buzzword that Angela sent in, wanting more information about uh, being disruptive. And so for the first half of the show, we've been talking about something called disruptive jujitsu. So uh, if you missed it, I want to go back and listen to the podcast. Feel free. Uh, today's live show call-in number is one 472 5790 So next up, uh, did you know that dumb rules are frustrating your best people? You know, you got to treat employees the way you want them to behave like adults. 
a great coach, humanitarian, by the name of Lou Holtz, that you've all heard of. He says, I follow three rules. Do the right thing, do the best you can, and always show people that you care. And I'm going to do some comparisons with some pretty big companies because no matter what the size of your company, big or small, some of this stuff I think applies and you just got to give it some thought to think if you fit into these categories. So imagine this. Imagine having to read a 10-page manual before every meeting. That's what used to happen at GM. Its workplace dress code was complex, copious, and lengthy. It was 10 pages long, to be exact. About a dress code. Until GM's new head of HR shrank the restrictive dress code to two words. Those words are dress appropriately. You know, we live in a complex, dynamic world. Rules should make things simpler, not more complicated. And when we talk about rules, I know every company's got a handbook uh, or a rule book today, and probably, you know, the first 50% of it uh, has to do with, uh, or at least 50% of it, has to deal with government regulations and stuff, uh, all CYA stuff that uh, companies have to do to protect themselves in the event that something goes wrong. Unfortunately, bureaucracy is growing, not shrinking. And that's what Harvard Business Review uncovered after surveying 7,000 readers. Organizations have become more rule-bound and conservative in the past few years, according to most of the respondents, especially in the areas that create customer value, like innovation or customer service. Dumb rules stifle innovation, frustrate people, and slow your organization down. So here are some ways to enable your people and use rules appropriately. Number one, keep rules simple. Align on what needs to happen. Let people figure it out. GM's two-word dress code is a perfect example. When Mary Barra became VP of Global HR, she knew bureaucracy was harming the organization. Brainstorming with her team, she came up with the new, simpler rule. Just dress appropriately. Her team fought back, and they wanted to add more specifics. The beauty of a simple rule is that it defines the criteria. Unless people use their best judgment, you don't need to provide examples or cover all possible alternatives. One of the biggest pushbacks came from a senior executive. His team had to deal with government officials on short notice. They had to be dressed for the occasion. Keep rules simple. Don't get caught by extreme situations. As Barry explains, I talked to the team, we brainstormed, and we agreed that the four people who occasionally need to meet with government officials will keep a pair of dress slacks in their locker. Problem solved.
GMs were ready to dress appropriately without complicating the two-word rule. Second up, don't punish 97% of your employees. Every time someone's helping clients simplify their rules, they get the same initial reaction. What happens with your vendors? Most organizations design rules with the wrongdoers in mind. They end up punishing their best talent. Quoting the former Chaparral Steel CEO, they are managing for the 3%. In other words, many companies create rules to control a small number of offenders. They end up suppressing the innovation and creativity of the other 97%. As Vera Nazaron said, to every rule, there is one exception and an idiot ready to demonstrate it. Don't be the one. The dumbest corporate policies were designed to protect organizations. They were crafted with the 3% in mind. For example, to ask people to prove that a loved one passed on is part of the 10 worst corporate policies ever. Employees must bring a death certificate copy to get paid for bereavement leave? Come on. The company Etsy offers 26 weeks of fully paid parental leave. Anyone can take it over the two years following the birth or adoption of a child. Regardless, if they are single, adoptive, or surrogate, all parents who work at vintage e-commerce receive equal treatment. Again, designed for the 97%. Number three, rules should enable, not limit people. Policies should allow your team to make their choices. Freedom doesn't turn people into rogue employees. The more autonomy you give, the more accountability people will have. The command and control approach is not working. It probably never has. The notion that people will do things because their bosses tell them is a fantasy. Your team's not dumb. People will work around the system to overcome limiting rules. That is, that small amount will. Controlling people's limits engagement and commitment. Employees quit when their job is no longer meaningful. That's why so many limitless policies are on the rise. Limitless time off is not a benefit limited to progressive companies such as Netflix or Virgin. Many traditional organizations such as GE and Honeywell have followed suit. Offering unlimited time off doesn't mean that people won't ever show up for work. Instead of tracking time, companies encourage performance. Enabling rules let people decide when they want to work hard and when to take a break. Some people might abuse an unlimited policy. Take it easy. Address the 3% issue. Don't punish the other 97%. Freedom enables people. Be 
generous with your teams, and they will be limitless. Four, trust people, and they will trust you back. Control is the opposite of trust. So many command and control organizations correlate trust to tenure. The more time you spend in the company, the better benefits you get. In many organizations, you got to wait six to 12 months to receive certain benefits. Why wait to show your employees that you value them? Trust is the foundation of successful relationships. At work, it starts the moment a manager hires a candidate. There are actually companies that offer paid time off for, for employees to devote to fun, volunteering, and personal development. I personally think that that can be a bit extreme. But the company has taken trust to a new level. You'd like to have the rule send a clear message. The company trusts every employee regardless of their tenure. Something crazy like, you know, you're hired, but first take a vacation. If you want people to give their best, give them your best too. Control less and trust more. And number five, treat people like adults and be patient. Dumb policies try to anticipate every possible scenario. They're designed to tell people how to behave. Enabling rules should focus on values and mindsets. Let employees figure out how. Smart policies treat people like adults. They don't want to control them. We all know that travel is a significant expense for most organizations. That's why most travel policies are lengthier than some companies' original dress codes. Organizations believe that controlling people will help reduce costs. Some are even trying to steal frequent miles from their employees. They treat humans as resources. They forget. <laughs> they forget that people invest a lot of their personal time when traveling for business. Netflix travel policy treats people like adults. Very simply stated, Netflix travel policy says, do what's best for Netflix, end of quote. So the entertainment company doesn't tell employees to choose the lowest fare or try to avoid an extra hotel night, as many policies do. Netflix lets employees choose when to spend more or not. People are encouraged to determine what is more beneficial for the company. Having employees performing at their best is a more sound financial decision than saving on 10% on airfare. If you want people to behave like adults, treat them like adults. Be patient, though. It takes time to shift from helicopter bosses to trusting ones. Some people might abuse their new game freedom. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and jump back to Voice America before our last segment. Thanks, Voice America. Thanks for being here. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Rental Equipped Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequipedtalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequipedtalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And thanks for being with me today. Uh, today, we've been talking about destructive jujitsu. We've talked about rules, and we're still talking about the people who have too many rules. And the latest one we were talking about is the concept of treating people like adults and be patient. You know, you got to give people time to adjust, wait and see before you rush into making amendments or trying to add more specifics. Treat people like adults, and they will make smarter choices and when limited by dumb rules. Rules should enable people, not limit them. Design simpler, trustworthy, adult rules for the 97% of you people, not the 3% who are the offenders. So stop creating dumb rules unless you want to turn smart employees into dumb ones. And actually, one company I founded needed a handbook, so we took all the mandatory government regulations and put them in the book. I pulled everybody together and said, I'll tell you what, this is everything. But if something goes wrong, then we're going to have to create a policy or rule to react to that for the future. 
it's up to y'all to make it simple or we can make it hard. And uh, we ended up adding a few things, but it wasn't, wasn't terrible. So finally, I want to talk about good managers and bad and what you can learn from both and some of what I've learned from both. You know, I often see articles about how to be a good manager, how to be a good leader, how both of these things are different and how people work for people, not companies. I love reading these articles. I love finding out what other people think makes a good manager, the commonalities and differences that are evident, and what tactics I should add to my arsenal if I want to be a good leader and manager myself. When I look back over my career, I've been extremely lucky to have some excellent managers. I've had some decent managers, and again, I'm lucky. Not many bad managers at all. But even the bad ones have given me something to take away. So here's what I've learned from all of them. First is that communication is everything. This is one of the most commonalities that crops up in most articles about management and leadership. And you know that within your own organization. And having been on both sides of the equation, I can understand why. I had a manager that I worked extremely well with. He communicated openly and freely, and I was aware of everything that was going on. I wasn't gossip. It was business, and it gave me an extremely good grounding in why decisions were being made and how those decisions fit into the wider context of the business. I learned a huge amount from being trusted with such information. Most of it wasn't sensitive. It was just not always something that managers would discuss more widely. It gave me a really good grounding in understanding how businesses work, how commercial considerations affect decisions, and how to navigate different teams. I found that when I share more information with my teams, the level of trust between us really grows. When I explain the reasoning for a decision, rather than badly state that this is the decision, end of story, I get engaged staff who understand more about how things work. Even if they don't agree with the decision, they're less likely to be frustrated if they know how or why it was made and more likely to consider how to work within the business constraints next time rather than futilely railing against them. Having been on the non-communicative side of the street, it's even more evident to me how communication is vital. I once had a team below me and a manager and above me, and my manager worked very much uh, on a need-to-know basis. I don't mean they kept information back that was sensitive or above my pay grade, I mean, they only discussed things that were specifically related to the work we were doing. They even told me not to tell my team certain things, often things that were completely innocuous and might have been of interest or use. Keeping information close is something, uh, sometimes it's like a power move. They know more, therefore, they are more important. Sometimes it's that they want to be seen to be necessary. And keeping information back is how they can achieve that. Sometimes it's insecurity or mistrust. As you can probably tell, I don't subscribe to this. I tell my team as much as I possibly can, genuine business sensitivity and personal confidentiality expected, of course. The more information they have, the more dots they can connect. 
the more interesting ideas they generate and the more trust they have in me and the rest of the team. Give credit what credit's due. Once in a sub-leadership position, I wrote something from the boss. It was an important letter to be sent out. I took it to him, signed off before he sent it out. He remarked that it was very nicely written, and the important part, he mentioned that I wrote it. It seemed like a small thing just telling the truth about who did what. It wasn't even a roaring compliment, just an offhand comment about a job well done. Had my boss not done that, my career might well have been marked differently. After that incident, management would drop on my desk and ask my opinions. They'd ask me to take a look at the marketing and what we were doing to check the wording, much at the annoyance of others. <laughs> Sometimes I've taken with me in every managerial or leadership role I've had, uh, but I took it to heart long before that. So, you know, you got to stop all the blame being yours. This is a harder thing to swallow as a manager, especially if you're happily handing out credit to people. Why can't you blame them when things go wrong, too? Things always go wrong. That's life. The important part is how you fix that, and playing the blame game is no way to make progress. Of course, there are times when blame has to go to the person that was at fault. At times, when concerns about an individual's performance necessitate talking about their mistakes. But even as a general rule, if you shield your team, if you can give them a supportive atmosphere free from finger-pointing, you'll have a team less likely to have mistakes. And don't forget, personal management is as important as professional management, if not more so. For anyone who's experienced failure, you know that it can bring on depression and anxiety. Work on it. And if it becomes a factor in your life, talk about it again. Work on it. And at the end of the day, management isn't for everyone. You'll be surprised to discover that you love being a manager, but some people don't enjoy management, or they don't enjoy the administration that goes along with it. And they haven't yet discovered their own management style. Reflect on those managers you've loved, those you've loathed, and those in between, what tactics you can employ in your own journey. What do you want to avoid repeating? Build your own style, but let the leaders of your past help show you the way. So in closing, almost anyone in your organization can be disruptive in a positive way, learn along the way from both good and bad managers, and watch those rule books. And remember, you can always listen on demand. I hope some of the issues today help to provoke some more questions for your business. Next week, you tell me what you'd like to be discussed. Send me a buzzword. Today's quote, a stumbling block to the pessimist is a stepping stone to the optimist. So said by Eleanor Roosevelt. It's been my honor today to spend this time with you. I'm Donald Charbonnet. I'm your host and the diehard of the rental industry. Signing off and remember, always find time for the things that make you happy to be alive. Till next week, have a great week in rental. Take care.
Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, 